Hello, you're listening to Whiskey with Great Drums. I'm Kirsty. I'm Greg. Today we have the Dewar's Apothelby team and they're talking to us about what they're working on in a minute, which was really interesting to hear because they're a team that is really looking into um, a lot of innovation within whiskey. So it was really great to hear from them what they thought was important and whilst still keeping true to their brand and to the customers who love their brand as well. Um, and we've also got Whiskey of the Week and any questions that you've brought in. And some news over the last few days or couple of weeks that we've not had time to tell you about is that Gordon McPhail, those wonderful independent bottlers and just all-round lovely people uh, up in Elgin, have decided to release the world's oldest single malt Scotch whiskey. And I was fortunate enough to have been at the launch of their last uh, oldest single malt Scotch whiskey, a 75-year-old Mortlac, uh, a number of years ago, and now they're releasing an 80-year-old cask 340, um, which is, of course, a remarkable age for any whiskey to have been uh, aged to, and it's from the Glenlivet Distillery in partnership with Sir David Ajayi OBE. And for us, this is just classic Gordon McPhail. Well played, all of you, with your ancient stock, owing to your founding back in 1939, I believe. So this one would have been laid down, um, or indeed uh, bought and laid down, actually, this cask in Feb 1940, so just a few months after the... Uh, founding of the company, which is absolutely superb. So uh, yeah, I I won't lie to you. I probably won't hold out much hope for a sample of this uh, bad boy, but I do like the idea of them consistently releasing super old whiskies, and it's uh, something that I hope to at least even be near, let alone try in due course uh, when events and all that kind of fluffy stuff can happen. Elsewhere in the whiskey world, we've had the Jim Beam release of their Lineage product. Um, they actually sent out a gorgeous press kit and uh, sample set for that. And uh, it's the uh, it was a tasting with the eighth generation Beam family distiller Freddie No to celebrate it. Um, it's going to be a travel retail exclusive. Uh, was bottled at fifty five point five percent ABV. And will retail if 250 US dollars. Uh, so I got a chance to try it. They sent a gorgeous kit, and I was blown away actually by the quality and the depth of flavour of it. Uh, very sweet, but also so much um, kind of multi-layered oakiness and juiciness, and just an all-round stunning whiskey actually. And uh, one that uh, they sent quite a large sample, so I'll be sharing it at my whiskey club in due course as well. Happy, happy days. And finally, we had something pop into the inbox, um, which could not be ignored. Also in the realm of American uh, whiskey, more to do with bourbon, or specifically to do with bourbon, I should say. And it is a, a campaign called Free the Spirit. And it has been founded by the Bourbon Alliance, an army of distillers, restaurants, and pubs, retailers, wholesalers, and US whiskey fans, and great drams, I might add, 
who want the US, uh, sorry, the British government to remove the 25% tariff on imported US whiskey caused by trade disputes over steel. Um, so uh, the campaign itself is looking for everyone in hospitality sector to sign up. They already have amazing um, brands behind it, such as Jim Beam, Brown Former, Maker's Mark, Never Say Die Bourbon, uh, the Whiskey and Spirits Trade Association, the British Bourbon Society, Number 10 Bourbons, Great Drams, Wilderness Trail Distillery, Coupette, Bramble, and the Discount Suit Company. And it is all about uh, making sure that we're not excessively penalised for no real good reason, and that American whiskey is not being unduly held back from all it can be um, through these trade disputes, which hurt absolutely no one in power, but absolutely does hurt the small guys and the small operators and all of the uh, people behind the uh, the whiskey brands of which they had no control over the tariffs being added anyway. So, and also, uh, UK consumers have paid over £55 million in tariffs on imported uh, American whiskies um, on the back of this, which is just absolutely bonkers. Why can't we all just get on, drink great whiskey, and not have to mess around with admin. That's what I say. That's the news. So guys, thank you so much to uh, Jono, Gary, and Matthew for joining us on our uh, podcast today. Always, always lovely to speak to all of you, and even better to see you, although this won't be a, a video one. Um, and for those who are unaware, uh, these guys look after and make sense of and kind of get the message out about the good ship Aberfeldy and Jewers. So my name is Matthew Cordiner. Uh, I have the wonderful title now of a global brand ambassador for John Dewar and Sons Single Malt Whiskey. Um, before this role, I was in the, the Brand Homes team uh, alongside Jonathan and Gary. So it's always great to see those two uh, again on this. Um, I still can't believe I get to call myself a global brand ambassador. And the, the long running joke for well over an, a year now is I basically took on this role in sort of March 2020. And uh, as I'm sure most of us all know, not, not the great time to move into a global role. So <laughs> I think I am officially the least global global brand ambassador in history. Because right. uh, I say on a good day, I get to leave my bedroom. And on a really good day, I get outside of my postcode. But uh, <laughs> another another country physically is yet to happen. But uh, yeah, that's me for now. But it's great that we can do things like this, you know, podcasts and you know, all these sort of virtual events, right? Oh, mate, living no, in a different world. So no, I think I've probably seen more people in the last year than most brand ambassadors do in a, in a normal year, right? So it's been great to do it that way. Not too dissimilar as a global role to the uh, Scottish national team, actually. <laughs> but we, we won't. No comment. No we comment. I should have saved that till tomorrow just in case whatever happens. Definitely close to the Germany game. I can edit that out though, so I'm fine. Well, I guess I guess I'll go next then. So um I'm Gary. I worked with uh, Matthew in our advocacy visits at our brand home base at Aberfeldy. Um, and then when he went up to be the least global ambassador, like I said, sometimes he goes to the kitchen. Um, I kind of stepped into to his very large shoes. Uh, I'm now the distilleries ambassador for John Dewar and Sons. Um, so based at Aberfeldy, but cover all five of our sites. Um, I always talk about myself just being a glorified tour guide. Um, I'm just one of the biggest whiskey geeks that you'll ever know. So living the absolute dream, just taking people around the distillery and talking all things whiskey. Uh, Matthew actually gave me the nickname the Green Man, which uh, 
I quite like now. You know, at the start, I was a little bit, oh, here we go, Green Man jokes again. But no, I'm owning it now. So <laughs> I always say it's a bit like if you've seen the movie with uh, the Rain Man with Dustin Hoffman. You know, he always got all the numbers rattling around in his head. I always say Gary is that, but for whiskey facts and figures. Like if you want to know the size of a distillery capacity or, you know, wh when something was mothballed, he's your man. So yeah. definitely the Green Man. It's good to hear that title okay. lives on. I've got all the information that no one really wants. So most people want like a half hour distillery tour. I'll bore you for like five hours. <laughs> you would never bore us. Back. <laughs> At least that's a nicer kind of more uh, polite nickname. One of your esteemed colleagues, Mr. Taylor, uh, he refers to me in meetings as his pet whiskey geek. So, um, yeah, yeah. Could, could be worse, mate. Could, could be worse. Be worse. <laughs> and Jono, the captain of Apple is that your title? Yeah, something like that. I'm brand home visitor operations manager, which is incredibly glamorous, I know. Um, so I do all the really fun stuff to make sure that people can actually walk into an industrial uh, food production site and um, muck about and do crazy <laughs> things. So, yeah, I, I look after anyone that's not making whiskey on site is how I describe my job. Um, so obviously about 42,000 visitors in a normal year come Tabafeldi, um, which is a really good number, we think. Um, it's not the biggest in the industry, but um, it's a nice number to have a really strong connection with people when they come. Um, we have a really small team um, and a lot of them have been with us for 20 years. So they're incredibly passionate. Um, and what I get to do is to kind of help that team to tell those stories and really inspire people to understand whiskey in their own way. Mm. whether they want to go down the grain man route and get really geeky or they just want to have a quick afternoon while the kids are tearing the shop apart in the corner um, and just try and figure out the very basics of whiskey before they go back to the carnage of their family life um, i say that as a father of two little girls mm. um, so everyone wants to learn about whiskey in different ways and we try to make that happen and um, the best bit about my job is that it involves a lot of spreadsheets and a lot of risk assessments um every, every once in a while i get to stand on the bar and actually talk to a customer but normally i'm in i'm in the background um just making sure everything can happen or down in the, the dungeon as we call it in the office <laughs> <laughs> um to be fair there's also that that one rogue person that time was it two and a half years ago maybe who wanted to drive a land rover really fast around the distillery um to get some really nice beauty shots for our, yeah. our uh, intro film i think um, i looked the other way for that one <laughs> uh, especially when I couldn't get it into gear and it kept going down. Oh, we won't go into that. But yeah, that was, that was. Although I now own my own fluorescent jacket, so I'm. I, I feel you on the health and safety side, mate. Mm. And now go on and on about how much you want a Land Rover. This is true. Oh, I can't <laughs> show you because it's in the box. But I bought a Lego Land Rover just to kind of appease myself for a little bit. Uh, that's my next project. Do, do you have like a, a Lego washback to like crash into? Like, <laughs> you can't get into gear. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I'm going to put that on a post-it. Yeah. I actually have genuinely on my, my kind of dashboard post-it list of just stuff that I need to do is to think of how I can do something Lego-based to uh, about whiskey. Um, but I just haven't had the brain space to do it. Mm. It will happen. It will happen. I commissioned someone to make me a copy of the Lefroy still in Lego. And... Uh, it wasn't the greatest, was it? No. It, it wasn't a tricky thing to do. Maybe start. We've got a Lego hot tub in our collection, Greg. So maybe you need to start with that. I know you're a hot tubbing, hot tubbing fan. Yeah. I am. I love love a hot tub. I like <laughs> taking meetings in there as well. Um, so why wouldn't you do that? It's, everyone's relaxed. It's like the easiest birthday present or any special occasion. Now it's like, yeah, done. Tired. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> so guys, what's what's kind of new and what's happening in the world of um, 
duos. Uh, we'll just do duos first, because the uh, the double cast series has been all, going all guns, as we know, with Caribbean smooth, as you guys like to pronounce it. Um, <laughs> uh, then what was next? The Portuguese smooth. I mean, that's probably my favourite in the series. Um, and yeah, tell us about that. Yeah, Portuguese was really exciting. That's one of the ones that's exclusive to the distillery. Mm. Um, and again, it's one of those glamorous bits of my job that will release different products around the world and um, particularly for Jewers, which is quite quite international focused. Um, as your listeners in the UK, a lot of them might have never really heard of Jewers apart from Greg banging on about it. But yeah. um, we actually then have to fight to get it put into a 70 CL bottle so that we can sell it in the UK. Um, so Portuguese was one of the ones that wasn't slated for the UK. And um, we had to jump through some hoops to make sure the tax stamps went on and that there was a run of 70 CLs. Um, and yeah, it's amazing. I mean, that's just a sensational whiskey. Um, yeah. uh, Illegal's out. That's been out for a while. Um, we haven't had it at the distillery yet, but it's quite... Okay, you're getting it, right? As well. We are, yeah. It should arrive tomorrow, I believe. Imagine. Um, so depending on when this goes out, it will have arrived two weeks ago or <laughs> it will arrive tonight. Um, who knows? Uh, so it's, it's incoming really imminently. And we'll start to get that really nice selection of, of different flavour profiles and things like yeah. that coming through. Yeah. Um, really cool it's, it's such an exciting series of whiskies because it's uh, it's almost like exploring cultures through taste because what stephanie's putting into these casks for the finishing period it's the same blend um i suppose for anyone that doesn't know of the jewish eight-year-old cask series live in what it is basically it's a series of eight-year-old blends that have been finished in different casks for a varying length of time um so it's currently three out we've got caribbean smooth finished obviously in caribbean rum casks uh, the Illegal Smooth that Jonathan mentioned there finished in Illegal Mezcal casks and then Portuguese Smooth, obviously, in port casks. And it, it's really nice to just see the influence of that cask, what it can add. Well, there's so many whiskies kicking about, finished in this, that, and the other thing. But what you're experiencing with this range is the difference is what that cask is, has imparted because it is the same base blend. And I think the, the best thing about it is it's a great way of exploring whiskey and flavors because being an eight-year-old blend, it's not going to break the bank. You know, they're like 25, 30 pounds. It's cheap as chips, but such a fantastic experience for the for the money you're paying for it. Mate, for me, I've I mean I've said it to you guys before privately, but I think they're all almost underpriced for how awesome they are. I know there's a reason for that, obviously, but the, uh, at the same time, they're just stunning juice. And pretty much anyone I talk to will happily pay a few quid, like a significant amount more, especially that Portuguese smooth, the flavor yeah. on that. I think that's the beauty of blended whiskey for me, though. And obviously at Dewar's Aberfeldy Distillery, we sit right in the middle of that whole debate about single malts versus blends. Um, and I think that, you know, blends should always be affordable. They've got grain whiskey, which is cheaper to make. They're actually harder to make because of the, the blending process and that assembling process and my background was in the wine trade so I look at sort of vintage champagne and how much harder that is to make how much easier that is to make the non-vintage champagne um, but it's still held up as the the pinnacle so mm. I think yeah that, that series just really you know emphasizes that what blends can be and should be mm. which is something that's really exciting but really accessible yeah. um, uh, and and it's really fascinating to see that that blend develop. Well, maybe you have to pester Stephanie to get the raw blend just to see what it tastes like. That would be amazing. Yeah, definitely. Um, be a very cool session that we can do maybe on a live tasting at some point. Oh, yeah. That's an idea, that. Greg. That after yeah. this. I'm going to put that on a post <laughs> as well, mate. <laughs> 
My, and I mean, Double Double has also been going all guns, isn't it? I mean, uh, is it third year in the row? It's got the uh, world's best blended scotch. I mean, that's yeah, not really bad, is it? The 32 year old and kind of as a result of that, Stephanie McLeod has now also picked up Master Blend of the Year three years in a row. So she's really just showing off now, I think. But, uh, <laughs> now, here's one thing. I thought you guys missed a little bit of a trick on your uh, Instagram or social media there. Because surely that's the triple double and you should definitely keep it on brand as a celebration. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll send you the royalties when we put that one out. <laughs> um, so yeah, again, they're a really fascinating range. Um, and the 21-year-olds won quite a lot of awards as well. Again, at that slightly more accessible um, kind of level. Mm. Um, so it's just really fascinating. The double-double range is trying to emphasise double aging, which is the, this concept that was pioneered by AJ Cameron, who is our, our first master blender after the Dewar family. Um, and what we've done is actually to quadruple age. So double aging is a process of, of returning the whiskey into barrel after it's been blended, giving it another six months just for the flavors to integrate a little bit of oxidization. Um, they're exhausted barrels, so you're not getting any barrel influence really. Um, and that, that imparts a lot of extra smoothness and we have a lot of fun um, sometimes we'll get a sample of single age Dewar's 12 and we can compare it and you really can, you know, kind of see a difference and it's a really marked, marked transition. There's a big difference. Like the way I describe it is like the single aged is spiky, if that makes sense. So it's kind of, there's a lot of sharp edges, but this double aging process kind of knocks them off and just kind of rounds it off. Yeah. Really yeah, like so. that spiky analogy. Mm. Like it, it's so true, isn't it? And a lot of, um, you do taste that spike, like I've never heard it described as spikiness before. Yeah. I think about the malts. I don't know how well I'm sure Greg always talks about it that I love Craig Allergy. It is literally my favorite. Um I, and I, I kind of stumbled across it, didn't I? Like way back when we lived in London and Greg used to travel quite a lot for work and we lived in this quite scary, well, I find it quite scary. And so he used to, when he went away, I'd be like, oh, I think I need a whiskey before bed. And it was when I was just getting into bed, like just getting into whiskey as well. And I remember you came back from one trip and you you like, you took it out and you're like, um, what's been going on Let's with this 23 year old? <laughs> Yeah. I was like, oh, I just fancied it's, re it's really just had a, bit, yeah. a little bit and he was like do you know how much this is a bottle I was like, <laughs> yeah. well, no but I really enjoyed it especially now that's like hen's teeth oh, it's yeah. one you just don't, yeah. don't find right? it's a bit of a rarity at the moment oh, it's, so. it's unbelievable and I can't wait for it to be available again uh, a fun fact for Craig Elke you may or may not know this but uh, <laughs> oh, God. You know, I hate to talk about it, Gary. So as Gary has said there, you know, you don't have to twist my arm uh, too much to talk about Craig Elke <laughs> as it is uh, the, the hometown for me. So it's uh, always a passion point. And of course, Gary is also from Aberfeldy. So there's a bit of a friendly rivalry between the two of us uh, back and forth between the distilleries. But uh, we're still we're still yet to uh, agree on a winner because I think they're, they're all winners in the scheme of things. But <laughs> uh, home pride usually does shine through. But yeah, Craig Elke, where do I start, you know, with Craig Elke's range? I think the 23, as you said there, mm. uh, one of my definite favourites, but at the moment uh, we're, we're not producing any for, for now. Uh, I will say, watch the space, who knows, but uh, it has become a bit of a gem uh, if you can find it. But alongside that, of course, in the range, we do have the, the 13 and 17, uh, which are really the cores in the, the range. And for me, everything I love about Craig Elke, you see in the 13, you know, if, if, if I'm out at, at a social affair and I've got a dram in hand, I can almost guarantee it's going to be the Craig 13. 
I just think it's such a wonderful place to start and understand what Kregelke has to offer, right? And uh, I don't know for you guys what you love about Kregelke, but for me, I think it is just that, a bit of a contradiction in a glass, right? There's pretty kind of opposing flavor camps that um, when you describe them, if someone's not got a glass in front of them or if they've never had Kregelke before, they'll be thinking, what on earth are you on about? Um, I remember we, we, myself and Gary were just quite involved with the Spirit of Speyside Whiskey Festival and someone came up with a great tasting note for Kregelke 13, which was, it's like putting a pineapple on top of your gammon steak, mm. right? And it's that kind of, on one side, you have these lovely big tropical notes. I think what you'd associate with your more sort of traditional, maybe Speyside character. But then alongside that, you have these kind of unusual, quite robust, you know, some people say slightly kind of meaty, Exactly. Uh, kind of notes kind of coming through yeah. right i'm seeing big big nods from yourself there it's uh it's that definitely one that you get coming through like you're you're chewing your way through this whiskey and then you get that lovely sweetness as well which yeah i really i really think it's amazing to say I think, it's a juxtaposition in the glass yeah they complement each other so beautifully and again anyone who's listening along to this podcast thinking what on earth are they talking about get yourself a glass of Craig Elke and you'll see exactly what we mean. Um, it is said to be a, you know, an unusual space side and we've always been a bit old fashioned kind of in our methods. And one of the taglines we say with Craig Elke, you know, we said it's been old fashioned since 1891. Now, anybody who's looked back at our history dates will know that's a bit of a joke because we were built in 1891. So what we're really saying there is we have always been old fashioned in our way of doing things. And um, we have two really interesting kind of founders um, forgotten you know uh sort of whiskey hero really with alexander edward um i think someone who needs to be championed more no you're a big fan of him greg oh, as well yeah and work of course with our altmore and many other distilleries but quite a sort of a, a bit of a shy character but a real kind of philanthropist you know gave a lot back to the community but um you've got the ying to his yang i think with another very famous uh whiskey producer and uh blender um as well with peter mackey um of course anyone who's seen the the angel share movie and knows the the famed uh, malt mill distillery uh, that was one of his um, and i think it really sums up his character so if you don't know the story behind that i definitely encourage you to go look it up but really you know great great characters and again i think themselves you know really different characters you know we say about these two different flavor profiles maybe coming together in a glass i think that's echoed by you know these founders really kind of different men coming together to produce something rather special but uh, unusual and it's great to hear you talking about that kind of uh, unusual kind of meatiness to it and I think that definitely comes in part from the use of worm tubs you know we're one yeah. of only 19 distilleries I believe at the moment um, using worm tub uh, condensers and again we've got really unusual barley going in you know right from the beginning we look for quite a sort of sulfured malt um, I'll never forget as I say my visit to the maltster and the they just uh, the first visit they said are oh, you the guys in from Kregelke and I said yeah and I just got back oh you guys are weird and that was kind of where the conversation went and <laughs> you know, what, what on earth do you mean by that sort of thing and I think he said he'd worked you know for over sort of 20 years in maltings had never seen a request for barley quite like ours and that sums it up you know big the barley there Matt not you yeah not not just us weird in general you know coming from Kregelke I mean maybe a bit of that too that as well but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know a lot of sulfur, I think, coming in in our malt from the, the kind of old fashioned methods that we use mm -hmm. and where most distillers look to get rid of that, you know, Kregelke looks to get that right in from the beginning. And then again, through the distillery process where you might look to lose that, we try and keep that in. So, you know, Stephanie would say, you know, of, of all the of all the new makes coming out, you know, you get these massive kind of sulfury hits off of Kregelke. 
But if you were to analyze it, you know, run it through the computer, it probably has the biggest potential uh, for fruity compounds and fruity flavors to come through later. And, you know, I love, I think it was yourself that coined that one, Gary, you know, aging Krigelki to start, it's just allowing some of that lovely big sulfur kind of to start to dissipate off a little bit and yeah. get some of those kind of fruity notes to shine through. And again, I love, you know, we've done a lot of, a lot of these virtual sessions together, Gary. So uh, some of the other things I remember you saying that I just loved was um, about bananas, right? I think that's one yeah, thing that totally. you, you said, and it's just stuck with me now. And anytime I taste through the range, you know, you go from a really kind of green, kind of almost underripe banana with the 13, some pretty kind of funky mm -hmm. notes, all the way through to like banana bread, you know, with something like the Craig 31, um, yeah. as well, these lovely kind of sort of cereal notes. But yeah, what an interesting dram, eh? Yeah, it really is. Yeah. I said, that's kind of where I, well, I started with more with um, some of the island malts. And Whoa, that just was, became like my... For clarity, some of the Isla malts aren't <laughs> their Galileo, yeah. the Carchis uh, releases, the four kind of 10 year old yeah. uh, cast strengths. That's where Kirst started whiskey. Yeah, but that's because I came Just a wee bit pity then. That's because yeah, I came into whiskey as pretty much a novice and <laughs> didn't really understand like the how vast the yeah. like whiskey yeah. spectrum is. And so to me, whenever it was that you could smell whiskey before you tasted it and mm -hmm where I went with that yeah. and then it was only really then once you started bringing different things back that yeah. I tried but yeah and I think the key thing is those aren't just PT whiskies they've got a lot of other character as well and that's the same concept with Craig Ellicke it's not just a sulfury whiskey mm. it's got these layers of character it absorbs stuff from the cask really really nicely as well yeah. so that's where the 17 year old is really distinct then the 23 or if you can get a 21 year old as we're currently uh, offering at the distillery shop like you know you can you can get these different layers of flavor from different casts which is really beautiful mm. um, and it, i see it exactly the same as either but if it was one dimensional it would be really boring mm. but what you need is these other layers of character coming through and craig ellicke can, can pick them up really nicely from the casks yeah. See, I think on that as well, Krigelke is that great bridge. You know, I think you're talking about maybe, you know, someone who's maybe started in Isla whiskies and then kind of moved through. I think Krigelke is one of those great bridging points where if you've come from Speyside and you're looking to move into something a little bit different, it's a great kind of as that kind of, you know, I wouldn't describe it by Petey by any character right i think it is more it's a smoky note but i always say you know if if you know your lefroigs and your art bags like you've just been saying there we're standing next to a bonfire Krigelke is maybe your clothes the day after you know they've got a little grip of something to them mm -hmm. um as well so it's a bit you know of an unusual note on that side but as jonathan said it is that wealth of flavor and i think the tropical note in Krigelke can't be understated and we talk about you know being old-fashioned well it was um, a very famous whiskey writer alfred bernard talked on his visit to Krigelke, we reckon it was just a, a few years after the distillery was built um, from the papers that we have. Um, he talked about this pineapple note kind of coming through. And I think it's great to see that, you know, even from him visiting back in the day, you know, not long after the distillery was built to present day, you know, that pineapple note is kind of in abundance, I think, within the whiskey as well. So, yeah, so much to offer. Uh, I think it's, yeah, very biased. I'm not going to talk anymore about it unless you want me to, because uh, I'll end up taking up the rest of the podcast on Krigelke. <laughs> we should do that sometime. Yeah. Uh, I'll do it for that. I'd like to do it. Also, one note <laughs> before we move on from Craig, that, that 23 year old that Kirst mentioned um, that went down way too swiftly. Mm. I worked out the only way that I could preserve it for just a few more months. Um, I ended up putting it into the Craig 13 tube, knowing that Kirst would never <laughs> trade down got to a certain <laughs> level. <laughs> and so you never touched it again, did you, until we moved up north? Um, I was um, grateful that you'd saved it. <laughs> Well, now you know a secret, Kirsty. So you'll be looking through all the younger age uh, bottles now, is it, for, for a bargain? I managed to, uh, <laughs> you couldn't trick me like that anymore. 
Oh, I did it to myself <laughs> as well with a Lefroy 25-year-old. Put it into the Lefroy 10 tube. And then at the time, I, I bought quite a few Lefroy 10s. And, um, and I couldn't find the bloody thing. It took about a year and a half, genuinely, a year and a half. And I didn't know that I double bluffed myself and then put that Lefroy 10 tube into a Royal Loch Nagar box. And so it wasn't until we were unpacking when we were like, filling the whiskey room upstairs. I was like, I don't remember owning a Royal Loch Nagar. Opened it and I'm like, oh, hello. And it was like Christmas. That's <laughs> it. Happy days. You guys have tried the, the Craig Elke 21-year-olds. Have you the Spirit of Speyside version that we did this year? Yeah, um, I actually bought two bottles of it, I think. Um, it was your whiskey of the week a couple of weeks ago, wasn't yeah, it? Was really yeah, it was really It's uh, an exciting one. So it, obviously, as a company, we've not really done festival bottlings and things in the past. And uh, when they announced that they're going to go ahead with the festival this year, but virtually, I just kind of cheekily mentioned to Carrie, who's kind of our head of innovation for the, the malt whiskies, any chance of a cask was thinking this is never going to happen. Um, I didn't think at the time that I would then have to bottle every single one myself. So uh, I gave up a weekend and bottled all 376 bottles myself, but oh, it was like heaven. It's such an unbelievable whiskey. 15 years in refill hoggies and then six years in refill or also it is Awesome. It's some whiskey. <laughs> Absolutely belt it. And, uh, but you didn't have to handwrite all the labels though, did you? No, my, my writing's not changed since I was three years old. So I passed that job on to someone else. It is horrendous. Uh, you wouldn't be able to read anything that was on the label of ads on them. So. <laughs> that, was, that says Stephanie, by the way, the post-it that I'm holding up. Um, I'll know that later. Awesome. <laughs> Awesome. So from outside of uh, Craig um, and even still within Jewish, to be fair, hmm. what other exciting new things are coming up? Any special releases, uh, unique kind of cast types for finishing, any kind of interesting stuff you're allowed to talk about? Definitely within malts. You know, I think you were saying that Stephanie's just been really hitting her stride. And uh, of course, third year in a row uh, for Master Blender. Um, I think to take it onto that next stage, Royal Brackler, um, what we've been working on at the mm -hmm. moment. Uh, I'm seeing a big yes uh, from <laughs> Greg there uh, in the room. I know you're a big fan of a Royal Brackler as well. Um, we've had a bit of a relaunch um, with a Royal Brackler range. I think more in line with what we've done with Craig Elke and Altmore, again, being up at that 46% ABV um, non-chill filtered as well. Um, I think it was just time you know, for Royal Brackler to come onto this next stage. Um, Again, for anyone who's fans of our, our company, you know, we only really, although these are really old distilleries, we only kind of had them as sort of core ranges coming out from under our company ownership from sort of 2014. So yeah, a lot was kind of launched at once. It was great to get it kind of all into the market. I think some great expressions came out, but we've kind of been asking our, our question now, where do we go next, right? And I think Royal Brackle was definitely one of those distilleries that it was time to give a little bit of love to as well. Definitely. And Stephanie, kind of in her exploration um, of Royal Brackla and Sherry Cast finishing, um, I think has taken that on to this lovely new level um, for Royal Brackla. The original range, of course, was finished across all the Rosso, um, across the, the whole range, and it was down at 40%, um, which I think they're all wonderful expressions. And if you've never tried them, uh, definitely get a try um, of those. Um, but with the new range, we've kind of gone to that next level. Um, the, the new 12-year-old uh, that we have um, is finished in all the Rosso. Also. So I think it really harks back to what I loved about um, that kind of original um, Royal Brackler range. Um, we've then moved from what was a 16 in the, the core range up to now an 18 year old. And this is where she's got a bit funky uh, with her choices in sherry cask. And uh, we're using a Palo Cortardo uh, sherry cask here. So that is known as kind of the, the 
winemaker's uh, decision, right? The winemaker's choice, because it's a very unusual sherry in itself where you have, without going into too much of, you know, the, the chemistry behind it today, you have that um, flora kind of dying away and a little bit of a change in the sherry, but it, it takes on these really kind of funky, musty, kind of unusual notes. And I think what that transfers through to the whiskey uh, gives you just this really flavorful, interesting, unusual um, Royal Bracket, a lovely kind of citrus zing um, in the finish as well and it was one when I got the whole new range through um, I just had to taste it again and again because I'd, I'd never had anything quite like it and I think um, it's just that balance um, of Royal Brackla which has this lovely clean acidity as a new make spirit and you know both Carol um, who's our distillery manager and Stephanie we talk about it works really well with these kind of bigger cask finishes um, but where the big cask finish doesn't dominate you know I think that lovely clean acidity cuts through what might normally be some quite dominating flavour profile so you end up with this you know lovely balance for me it you should always be able to tell which distillery it's come from right and although now and again a big sherry bomb is fantastic it's nice to have something that's a very sort of sherry flavorful uh, you know character but you can still get that distillery character coming through i think that's exactly what she's done with the new range um, and then if you thought the 18 sounded great the 21 we take it even at a stage further again and um, where it's this trinity of kind of sherry casks used to, to finish it so we have a percentage of all the rosso a percentage of the palo cortardo and then we introduce um a percentage of uh, px casks um in there as well and it is something else uh, as a dram. We, we only launched um, at the end really of 2020 sort of um, in Taiwan was kind of the, the first market we launched in. So we've started to put it into a few competitions and literally everything we've entered it into, it's come away with like top awards. So it was a uh, double gold across the entire new range um, at the San Francisco Awards there. Um, at the World Whiskey Awards, uh, the 21 took uh, best Highland single malt whiskey. Um, the 18 was also um, best in its category for age there as well. Uh, and then, of course, we've just had the... Uh, international uh, spirits challenge there as well where again we got golds across the range and then the 21 took a double gold um, in that as well so it literally again I think it is just showing Stephanie is in that absolute stride um, at the moment in, in what she's doing and that's been exemplified I think by by what uh, Royal Brackle has been been winning but um, we're just about to do the sort of official launch in the UK um, towards the end of, of next month end of July um, but that said, um, we had hoped to have done it sooner, but with COVID, you know, those plans got delayed. However, we, we just wanted to start, you know, getting out to people as well. So um, it is has started to become available from some specialist whiskey retailers. Um, but if you're looking for it, one place I can guarantee you'll get it um, is our lovely uh, brand home shop uh, with Jonathan Wilson. So again, Jonathan, you pulled out a fast one there, I think, making sure you were one of the first listed, right? Yeah, we've got uh, the 21 um, is still to arrive. So that's coming on the same lorry as the Illegal. Um, so if anyone sees a lorry trundling through Abercrombie, <laughs> you might want to hijack it in the next couple of days. Um, have you got any Brackler hidden away in your in your collection, Greg? I do. I do. I have uh, actually I have one of each of the old version of the range. I mean, in your barrels, in your cask collection. I want to oh, see the positive. spreadsheet of, of the uh, casks that you're... I get, the <laughs> get the spreadsheet out. Uh, I actually have one, or we actually have one cask of Aberfeldy, which is cruising at six years old now, I believe. Mm. First Phil X Bourbon, an absolute delight. Um, we tried it, actually, when we had our, our little... Um, yep. Yeah. Um, and then also... There is a cast of Royal Brackler, but I don't own it. Like Great Drams doesn't own it. It's actually my whiskey club. We bought it all together uh, last year and um, cool. just ticked over to 
five years old now. Yeah. Uh, but when we got the four-year-old sample, I promise you, you'd have thought it was about the 10, 11 mark. It mm. was incredible. I mean, Brackler for me, um, so Carol, who's the manager up there, used to manage Aberfeldy when I joined the business. So I know Carol really well. And um, it's actually quite a similar process to Aberfeldy. So relatively tall stills, relatively long fermentation, a lot of the kind of same, same barley um, supplier as well. Um, so there are a lot of parallels, but you just get this extra kind of extra layer of richness. Mm. Um, and yeah, the Brackler 16 was a real, you know, favorite of mine and a massive gamble to change that. And I can remember chatting to Carol one one day and, you know, said, oh, I know we're not supposed to have favourites, but like uh, out of our range, Brackler 16 is the one. She's like, yeah, me too. And so hearing that that was going to go was pretty devastating, you know, and you want you, you wonder what they're going to pull out. But actually, the 18 year old is really sensational, like really, really sensational. The 12, by the way, makes an incredible uh, kind of whiskey daiquiri or pineapple old fashioned thing that I've been, I've been getting really into recently. Yeah, the sherry notes are just off the charts. That's what I was having on Saturday and quite a number of them. Yeah. Responsibly, obviously. Responsibly, I was going to say, yeah. I think, I think the great thing about the new range is, you know, the sherry finishing and all of the kind of richness and opulence aside, I think, you know, just lifting it to 46%, you actually just taste Brackle more. You know, it's much more perfumed. Like, uh, obviously not everyone has access to the new make. I'm obviously in quite a lucky position. But it's such a perfumed and floral grassy new make and the character i think comes through a lot more at the the increased bottling strength especially with the 18 i think because the you know the palo cortado is quite a fresh even though kind of funky buttery sherry it kind of it doesn't add as much of that kind of classic you know christmas cake in a glass sort of note that kind of can override a lot of flavor um it's very very brackler now you know it was a beautiful whiskey before but as Brackler, it's even more Brackler now, if that makes any sense at all. <laughs> yeah, totally. Especially as the, um, uh, what do you call it, the, uh, the Paolo Cotardo is, uh, I'm sure Matt's going to um, uh, live this one through his, his uh, new role. But uh, it's uh, referred to as the Deviant, isn't it? As uh, in the Sherry world. Sounds it's about bit... right, yeah. It's yeah. a bit of a scamp. It's, the one, as I say, it, it just... It's one of these things historically it's just kind of naturally occurred right and it was something it wasn't planned right it wasn't planned in the process it was where what normally would have been that biological aging process you have the, the floor kind of died away and again it's kind of started to i suppose turn you know again start to change so again it literally would translate as the stick that has been cut um again because they have i always forget which way around is, is the fino or montelado that's got the just the one line so then they draw another line through that again so it literally is that stick from the previous sherry yeah. that has been cut so that's kind of the marking for it uh, that shows if it's a palo uh, cartardo so um, it really is as i say that winemaker's choice whether they decide to allow it to kind of continue and, and develop and turn into this really unusual sherry so for me it's the, also the whiskey maker's choice right it's it's a very i think personal cast to choose it's a very unusual cast to choose and um, although the the 21 has been you know winning all the awards and i think rightfully so um, if you made me you know choose just one if i could only have just one i think for me the 18 uh, was my favorite and it just was because getting those new samples through and tasting through the range i just never had anything quite like the 18 and um, mm. it was just such an interesting dram um, and yeah no gary i think you were the same right i think we, yeah, we sort of taste them quite similar times yes yeah, it's, it's, it's my favorite and i think you know what 
what I love about the new range is yes, there's a, a focus on sherry, but everyone thinks sherry is your Christmas cake in a glass, but it's not. You know, there's so many different types of sherry. Like the 18 is just where the ultimate summertime dram and it's sherry finished, whereas everyone thinks sherry, oh, that'll be Christmas Day, I'll be having that then. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, there's so many different types of sherry, which also gives you different types of sherry cast and gives you a very different, uh, different style of whiskey when it's been finished in that. So yeah, the 18 for me is hands down the, my favourite, just because I think how different it is. What about you, Jono? I know you've had a bit of a taste of the range as well. Yeah, I hate to be a, like an echo, but yeah, I think the 18 kind of does it for me. Um, you know, just looking at the colour as well, the Palo Cotado is, you know, really light. So it just shows that sherry doesn't have to mean, um, you know, really rich, dark colour either. And that it's that flavour led thing. So I think it's just it's just really unusual. But um, uh, yeah, I'm really excited to have that. I think that's one thing you see as well. To be clear, it is natural colour in the range and you really realise that the difference it makes when you see them all sitting side by side on the shelf. You have this fairly, you know, lovely dark sort of 12. You have this really beautifully dark 21 and then you have this much lighter 18 just sitting in the middle. So, you know, I think it definitely was a bit of a worry for certain markets, you know, people who maybe don't know their about whiskey as much and think, you know, why on earth is this one older, but it's lighter. But I think this really cut, cuts, you know, uh, through who knows their whiskies and who knows, you know, about whiskey. And I think for who we see drinking Royal Brackley, you know, I think it is those uh, real kind of whiskey aficionados, right? People who just appreciate that, you know, whiskey back to its kind of raw, kind of beautiful uh, sort of characteristics, right? That 46% ABV, natural colour, non-chill filtered. So I think it's a really exciting place we've taken it to. Yeah, I was going to ask you why, um, why you choose all these different sherries, but you've all just explained that perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, i do love that the uh that a certain uh falling duck made its way onto the packaging no matter what you're going to say it is matt i know what it is definitely it's the falling duck yeah <laughs> you know um, I mean, we do have it's a lovely storied history so i'm sure if you have a look at the new bottle you'll see the the lovely new royal brackle crest that we have and uh, yeah there, there are so many stories to pick apart so hopefully uh over the years and over the sessions, we'll, we'll explain them as we go. But if you ever have any questions, I'll say, uh, do feel free to reach out to any of us in the team here. Absolutely. And I'll send you that uh, original Falling Duck video at some point. <laughs> They'll have the original forward to time. So, <laughs> days. Uh, guys, thank you so, so much for your, uh, your time this morning. Truly appreciated your insight and just wonderful chat around these amazing whiskies. It's been uh, incredible and also getting to relive our Craig Ellicky moments as yeah. well <laughs> always a bonus um I think I'm gonna have to go into my sample of that uh Royal Brackler 18 mm. now you've, you've led me there I wasn't gonna drink today a question has come from Instagram this week and um those of you who have been following Greg on Instagram knows that they uh often get a lot of whiskey shots and then the random barbecue shot and then a random cocktail shot. Um, and this week, the shot of cocktails um, provided a lot of um, interest, didn't it? It was shocking, actually. It never normally happens, weirdly yeah. enough. Um, people, uh, A, they wanted me to deliver them if they were local so they could try some. And others, they just wanted to know what the hell it was. So we haven't really given it a name. It's kind of a, a hybrid uh, pineapple old-fashioned or... And a pineapple whiskey daiquiri but it's incredibly simple to make i was actually using in there and by complete coincidence because it is the uh, episode where we've talked about royal brackler um, but the new royal brackler 12 year old um and then pineapple juice simple syrups that's just normal sugar syrup 
and a, a half a lemon squeeze, so the juice of half a lemon. And so you basically put 50 ml of your Royal Bracklow 12 or any other whiskey really, but I'd definitely say a sherry cask whiskey worked much better. Tried it with um, an Abelauer distillery exclusive uh, sherry cask from last year, just afterwards actually, and it was in very, very good as well. So um, but then when trying it with a bourbon cask whiskey, it just didn't hold up as much. So into your cocktail shaker, fill it with ice, then 50 ml of your chosen sherry cask whiskey, then uh, 50 ml, so the exact same amount of pineapple juice, then uh, the juice from half a lemon, and then around one ounce, which is what 30 ml of, uh, of the simple syrup, the sugar syrup, then shake it, and then um, shake for about 30 seconds or so until the outside of the shaker uh, goes frosty, so you can see it getting really cold, and then simply pour it into a glass. Um, you can garnish it if you want. I don't really believe in foliage in my drink, so I don't bother, but um, it is super fruity, really easy drinking, and perfect for those rare summer days that we get up here. Mm, it was so refreshing, really enjoyable. Mm. Nice. And for my Whiskey of the Week this week, it's from one of my favourite places. I think I've banged on about it enough recently. Um, so from the island of Isla, um, and it is the Kalela 15-year-old um, from the Diageo Special Releases back in 2016, this one. So we've had Kel done to this for quite a while now, considering it's an open bottle of whiskey. Um, and this one, um, so you have to be a bit careful with it because it is bottled at natural cast strength of 61.5%. So for me, always add a bit of water. But this one for me is different because it's an unpeated style. Um, and obviously we all associate Isla with those big peaty, um, like quite heavy malts. Um, and this for me is the opposite of that. It's really light, refreshing, quite fruity, but then you still get a wonderful um, distillery by the sea character. So you get that saltiness and earthiness. That maritime thing. Yeah, that you, you know, just sends you straight back to Isla. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, really nice one. And um, yeah, I can't believe that I've still got some of this one left um, after all this time. You won't have for long, I'm sure. Yeah. And the colour on this one is really pale. Um, and I just think that it just it just sits in the glass and it's really refreshing. And yeah, they actually say it's as fresh as the pale sky. And I really hmm. just remember being sat outside Kalela and, you know, you get that breeze coming in and it's just, oh, it's such a lovely spot, isn't it? So yeah, their black distillery cat. Yeah, yeah, yearning to get back there. So lovely to try that one. I'm going to have to have a quick try of that after you've told me so much about yeah. it. <laughs> Oof, love that sound. So you sipping it, I'm not gonna be sat here dry. All right. Oh wow, the nose on that, 61 and a half, it's still still quite light and flavoursome, isn't it? It really is. It's a, despite it being such a high ABV, it is it is light. And again from Isla, it is really light because even though you know you you do think of Isla as the peaty smoky whiskies, there's so much more to them than that, and it is the depth of flavour and the richness that mm. you get from uh, the malts. That but oily this character, one, beautiful. Yeah. Nice. Well, I'm glad you brought that to us because I'd forgotten that one even existed. Well, it won't for much longer. I think there's <laughs> a double measure left in that bottle. <laughs> See you later, Kalela. Nice. <laughs> 
Uh, and my one this week is the brand new Royal Brackler 18 year old, uh, which has been matured using Paolo Cotardo sherry casks. And strangely, if you look at their new range, which has been released, and it's been in the, released in the UK in the next kind of couple of weeks properly, but is available to buy on the Jewers Everfeldy website. The 12 has got really deep color, like um, Matt was saying in the interview just now. The 21 does from the pictures we've seen. But this guy, like you said, I was quite shocked at how it's quite golden mm. instead of sherry. Like syrupy looking. Yeah. But, man, like, on the nose, that is off the charts. So easy, easy nosing. A gorgeous fruitiness to it. That kind of Paolo Cotardo funk. But at the same time, positive funk. There's a hell of a lot of stuff going on there. Some expected, some a bit weird. Mm. It's dry yet oily. Yes. And you get an initial real dryness, and but then the oil adds a slight mm. cream, not creamy, but... Uh, What's that, that juicy, fruity note yeah. for me is kind of coming on. The more you, the more you kind of sit with it, it grows. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that is uh, my whiskey of the week, the Royal Brackler. Brand new packaging as well and brand new design for the entire brand. Take a look at it and no matter what Matt tells you on tastings, there is a falling duck on the left-hand side, I promise you that. Cheers until next time. So thanks for listening. Uh, we had a really good chat there with the Jewers Aberfeldy team and makes it really interesting to see what will be coming out next from them. So we'll speak to you again next week. Thank you.